This is a shear on Likutei Sichais, Chelek Yud Zayin, Book 17, Sicha on Pirkei Oves, Chapter 2. Rabbi Shimon says, You should be careful with saying Shema and with Tvila, which means davening, Shmona Esrei. When you daven, don't make your davening as if it's a burden, as if it's something rote. Make it as if you are entreating and asking for mercy before the before Hashem. And then he continues, Don't look at yourself as a not good person. So we have to understand. First of all, you need a... Mesechta Ovis, we, we know, is called Milsa de Chasidusa. It's matters of Hasidus. Remember, there's um, in, in the classification of uh, uh, descriptions of people in Torah, there's Rasha, somebody who doesn't fulfill all the mitzvahs, there's Tzadik, somebody who fulfills the letter of the law, and Chasid, which is, Lifnimisho, I think, goes beyond the letter of the law. Mesechta Oves, the ethics of our fathers, is called Mili de Chasidusa, Milsa de Chasidusa, it's called matters of Chasidus, which are Lifnimisho, those are things that are. Um, within the letter of the law, you need you need Pirkei Ovis to come and tell you you got a daven. It's a saying Shema is a mitzvah It's a biblical commandment. Tvila Shmina Esra is a mitzvah sasei derabbanan. And the Rebbe clarifies here in the footnote: there are some opinions that davening in general is just rabbinic. However, the Alter Rebbe says very clearly. There's a famous letter that Al-Tarebbe writes, anybody who says that kriyash, that tefillah, that davening, is not the iraisa, has never seen the luminary. He doesn't know what's going on. And basically the Tzamech Tzedek, in Derech Vitzvesecha, clarifies that um, the, mitzvahs, uh, the mitzvah of davening in general is midoiraisa. When you need something, you daven to Hashem. The exact schedule of davening and the nusach, the, the exact language we use, that's mitzvahs. I say that Rabban, the Rabban gave us the three tefillahs every day, the three, the three prayers, and the exact language we use and so on. But anyway, even if it's only a mitzvah, say that Rabban, only. <laughs> what do you mean only? It's a mitzvah, say that Rabban, you don't need a book of Hasidus, which goes beyond the letter of the Lord, to tell you you should be careful in saying Shema, which is Deiraisa, and, and saying tefillah, saying, saying the Amida, which is, or saying davening in general, which is at the very least a Rabbanan. So, not just that, says the Rebbe, these two mitzvahs, Kriya Shema, reading the Shema and davening, they are basic and general mitzvahs in serving Hashem. So, you need Pirkei Ovis to come and tell you, Pirkei Ovis should be telling you things to be extra stringent about. Two, that's the first question. Two, the second uh, case, the second part of the Mishnah, which says, when you daven, don't make your praying as rote, make it in a way that you're entreating God, you're imploring God, Make it with, with, with heart. Why do you need a, this to be told in Mesechta Ovis? We have an explicit Mishnah in Mesechta Baruchas. Somebody who makes his tefillah, somebody who makes his tefillah like something of a, of a, of a uh, the word keva can mean permanent. It also means something like of a, uh, just done out of burden, out of, uh, out of schedule. His tefillah is not a tefillah, his prayer is not a prayer that entreats and, and, uh, and, and beseeches God in the proper way. So we know that already from from Mesechta Baruch, the first tractate in Shas. What do we need it in Perkeovis? Three, what's the connection between these and the third thing that Rabbi Shimon says, which is, don't be a not good person, don't be a wicked person in your own eyes. 
And the Rebbe clarifies this, if a person looks at himself as negative, so then he will give up hope from doing teshuva. And what happens is, if a person views himself negatively, he's not going to withhold himself from doing a sin. I'll just give you a quick uh, analogy. Food is one of the big challenges. Say, thank God, Baruch Hashem, because um, the olden days they didn't have enough to eat. Today, Baruch Hashem, we have more, in most cases, Baruch Hashem, we have more than enough to eat. And it's a, it's a challenge to make sure to eat only what we should eat. So when a person sees himself as, oh, I broke my diet, or I'm fat, or I'm thing, and so that's the greatest enticement to go and finish the whole chocolate cake. Right? So a person shouldn't look at himself as being bad, because then he's like, ah, I'm anyway a bad guy, it doesn't matter, okay, do another sin. Anyway, no, I'm anyway a bad guy. But what's the connection between this third teaching in the Mishnah, between the other two teachers? Be careful in tefillah, be careful how you daven, daven with heart. Base. So the the um, the kernel of the explanation of all this is as follows. These three teachings in the Mishnah are connected with the one who said them. They are Rabbi Shimon ben Nesanel. We've just, earlier in this parak we explained that Rabbi, um, Rabbi Yechonah ben Zakeh had five students. One of them was Rabbi Shimon ben Nesanel. And then we list three things that each of those students of Rabbi Yechonah ben Zakeh said um, each uh, that they had said in, in their name. So what Rab Shimon here is Rab Shimon, the same Rab Shimon that was mentioned before as one of the students of. Let me just get it here. As one of the students of Rabbi Yechonim and Zakai, and you have Rab Shimon in the saddle. So he said, we know about him that he was Torosay Umnosay. His Torah was his total. Occupation. Okay. Just like Rabbi Shimon Yechoi. As we're going to explain later, the correlation between Rabbi Shimon Yechoi and Rabbi Shimon Ben Asanu. And we're going to explain why here the mission just says Rabbi Shimon. To be, that, that's to be talked about in chapter 8 of the Sikha. And somebody, so what's the classification of somebody who's Teirosa Yomnose, the Torah is his sole occupation? We know that he doesn't interrupt his learning of Torah even to read Shema like Rav Shimon Yechai says in the Gemara Yerushalmi like us that we are learning Torah all the time we don't even interrupt for Shema and how much more so you don't interrupt for the regular prayer schedule as the Psaktin is and this is brought in the Bavli that Torah somebody who's a Torah is his occupation doesn't interrupt for davening so since he himself Rav Shimon didn't interrupt for Kriyashman for davening. So he had to, therefore, say a statement to pre-warn and to elucidate to his students that, you know, this is what I do, but don't learn from me, you who are not at the level, this level of the Torah being your sole occupation, don't let this cause, God forbid, a weakness in your dedication to Kriyashman and davening. And then he says another piece of information to his friends. What about you? It may be that your Torah is your occupation. So this was what he was saying to his students. The students who are not at the level of the Torah being their full occupation. Like full, full, full time. Make sure not to pay less attention to Kriya Shema and Tefillah. 
I'm not saying Kiddush and Tefillah because my Torah is my full occupation, but please don't learn that from me. You have to give full attention to saying the Shema and Tefillah and Davening. Now he says a second thing, and this may be talking even to his colleagues who also, like him, are at the level where the Torah is their full occupation. However, they're not at his level, Reb Shimon's level. And that's why they do have to interrupt for Shema. And we're soon, in, in, in chapter 3, we're going to give a very interesting Chiddush of the Rebbe. There's a difference between Reb Shimon Yechoi himself and his colleagues. Both of them being Torah full-time Torah scholars, but there's a higher level, Reb Shimon reached a higher level of Torah scholarship where he doesn't even interrupt for Shema. The other ones who, their Torah, Torah the Torah is their full-time occupation, they won't interrupt for tefillah, but they will interrupt for Shema. We'll discuss that soon. So he's telling his friends who do interrupt for Shema, when you do daven, don't make your davening something as rote. Make it with full of asking Hashem in a compassion for compassion and entreating Hashem. Do it with heart. Taker, Rabbi Shimon is saying like this. Emes taker, taker. Indeed so, that you're not interrupting for davening. But when you do daven, Okay, you know, there's time when you do daven. Um, so when you do daven, because we know that even those who are the full-time Torah studies, they also daven from time to time. Uh, it's brought here in the Rebbe brings in a footnote that was brought that the Rabbi Shimei Yichai also daven from year to year. Right? So when you do daven, the tefillah shouldn't be in a way of keva. It shouldn't be in a way of feeling it as a burden. You're thinking, oh, when can I get rid of this burden of davening? Get back to the learning. Get back to the real stuff. No, no, no. Daven with passion. Daven as if you are beseeching the Almighty with, with heart. So that, that's the second thing. First thing is don't learn from us. Who's, don't learn from you. My turn is my thing. Students, you go ahead and daven. Pay full attention to Shema and davening. Colleagues, when you do daven, even though you're not davening regularly, when you do daven, don't, don't make it like a burden. Do it with a lot of... Uh, beseeching of mercy. And the third thing is, don't be a Russia. <coughs> don't look at yourself as being wicked. This also has to do with the virtue, with the special advantage, the special uh, maila, special virtue of Rishim ben Nisanel, who's Teirasi, as we'll come to in chapter 10 of the Sikh. Now we're going into chapter 3. So this is going to be at the way end of the Sikh. First, let's say like this, says the Rebbe Gimel. What we explained that you have to be careful in Kriyashma, you could ask. The opinion that says that, what did we say? We said, be careful when you interrupt for Kriyashma and Tefillah, even though I'm not interrupting for Kriyashma. You guys have to be careful about it. One second. We just said, and we quoted that Abshim and Yechai didn't interrupt for Shema. Ask the Rebbe, this opinion that Abshim and Yechai didn't, doesn't interrupt for Shema, we brought this from the Yerushalmi. He says, However, in the Bavli, and also in Halacha it says that even those that have full-time Torah scholars, even if they're like Rabbi Shimon and Yechai and their friends, they do interrupt for Shema. So, one second. The Bavli seems to say that Rabbi Shimon Yechai interrupted for Shema. The Yushalmi says Rabbi Shimon Yechai didn't interrupt for Shema. What's going on over here? So the explanation is like this. First of all, there's a rule, says the Rebbe, that if you can make an agreement between the Babylonian Talmud and the Yushalmi Talmud, the Jerusalem Talmud, you try and do it at every extent, even if you have to say something that's dochuk tzat, even if you say something that's a little bit forced. It, doesn't, it seems like, okay, come on, you're, you're bending over backwards to, to create a, a uh, to get rid of an argument between the Bavi and Yerushalmi. You're, 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 you're forcing things, you're pushing things 
to be able to have a, a unified opinion. Yes, when it comes to making peace between the Bab and Yerushalmi, we try even to, even if it's a little bit forced, we try and make it work that it should be saying the same thing. So here we want to say that there's no difference between no machleks in Bab Yerushalmi. The difference is going to be between Rabbi Shimon ben Yechai himself and his friends. Why does Rabbi Shimon Yechai say you don't interrupt for Shema? Because in the Yerushalmi, Rabbi Shimon Yechai gives a reason. Talmud Torah is called Shinon, is saying the words of Hashem. That's words of Torah. Kriya Shema is also saying the words of Torah. What is Kriya Shema? It's, it's, it's chapters in Torah. You don't interrupt one reading of Torah before another reading of Torah. That's what Rabbi Shimon Yechai says. And the, the Yushami continues that because Rabbi Shimon Yechai was so well-versed and sharp in Torah, therefore he doesn't see any advantage in saying Torah more than, in saying Shema more than his regular study of Torah. So he didn't interrupt for studying Shema. So we can say that this was only Rabbi Shimon ben Yechai himself who didn't interrupt for Shema. As it says, the Yushami says, Rabbi Shimon ben Yechai, doesn't say his friends, Rabbi Shimon ben Yechai, because he was so sharp in Torah, for him it's not endearing to... Stop learning and go to Shema. But his friends, they did interrupt for Shema. Similarly, by Reb Shimon Yechai himself, maybe it's possible to say, says the Rebbe, that there was a difference between before his cave, this, uh, um, how many years was he in a cave? Um, 14 years, I believe. Was it 24 years? 14 years, I believe. Uh, uh, it's difficult to say. We could say that there's a difference between the way he was before the cave and the way he was after the cave. After he came out from the cave, he was at a higher level, and he didn't interrupt for Shema. Yeah, and that's what, because that's the, the cave experience, being secluded for so long, brought him to the higher level, where Shinon and Chidud, where he was constantly studying Torah, and he was sharp in Torah, as the Gemara says, so he, as the Gemara explains in Bavli, that he reached a higher level after coming out of the cave. So perhaps this is what the Rishami says, that Shem Yechai said, I don't even interrupt for Shema. This, by the way, is a, is, is a phenomenal chiddush. The Rebbe says in Ha'ara 23, it's fascinating, I'm just pointing this out because in the Ha'aras of the Rebbe, sometimes the Rebbe just answers huge questions, just, you know, by the way, based on what we said, says the Rebbe, we could answer what Rabbi Akiva Eger asks. He has uh, small notes on the Shas, it's called Gilyein HaShas, written at the side of the, in, in, in the, uh, in the margins of the Shas. There he asks in Bavli that uh, the seems to say that the Rishalmi says, Rabbi didn't interrupt for Shema. He says, but it says openly in the Bavli, in the Shabbos, that he did. And, and in both places, Gilead Shas asks, what's going on with Rishalmi On the one hand, the Bavli seems to say he didn't interrupt for Shema. On the other hand, the Rishalmi says he didn't. And Taisva seems to go and accept that Rabbi didn't interrupt even for Shema. But, but the Bavli says he did. Based on what the Rebbe, the Rebbe says, based on what I said now, this is answered. Because what it says in Shas, that Rabbi Shimon ben Yechoi and his Chaveidim didn't, didn't interrupt for Shema, that's his Chaveidim. And maybe it's even Rabbi Shimon Yechoi, but at the level pre-cave. When the Yishalmi says Rabbi Shimon Yechoi didn't interrupt, what Teisvus was bringing, that's Rabbi Shimon Yechoi himself. Or Rabbi Shimon Yechoi even himself at the second level, the higher level of Rabbi Shimon Yechoi. There's no question. The Gilead Hashas question is answered. It's just a little footnote that... Takes away something that probably many, because the Gilead Hashas ever asked a question in one, in one few, in a, just a few short words, and he says, and it requires, requires uh, looking into. Anyway, so it says that it could be that Rabbi Shimon, Yesh we could say that Rabbi Shimon and Asanel was like Rabbi Shimon Yechai, as if Shimon Yechai was after the cave. 
And that's why he didn't interrupt for Shema. So he says, that's why Shema Nisandal is coming and saying here in the Mishnah, you should be careful in saying Shema and, 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 and Davening. Because you're looking at me and I didn't interrupt for Shema. You have to be very careful about Shema. Dalit. This Indian that Rabbi Shimon Nassan was Teirosim Nasi, he was a full time Torah occupant, like a Shimon uh, occupation, like a Shimon Yechai. Which that, and that's, the, and the way that I've been explaining, this is the, the, the central theme of the three teachings he gave in this Mishnah. So this is also hinted at by the fact that the one who, who set up the Mishnah, Pirkei Avasir, didn't set up the name of Rabbi Shimon with his father's name. He said just Rabbi Shimon. And Stam Rib Shimon, we know there's a rule. General Rib Shimon, without any additional information about him, is Rib Shimon ben Yerichoy. That's the rule. And even though, okay, simply speaking, the reason here it is Rib Shimon Asano, why doesn't it say the fate of Rib Shimon Asano? Because this Mishnah is coming as a continuation of previous Mishnahs in this very chapter. Well, we said the five students Rib Shimon and Zaka had, and we mentioned the fate one of them was Rib Shimon Asano. And then we said, hey, mom, they, the students of the Yerushalayim, each said three things. And this is the, th- in other words, each one of them said three things. So we understand that the Reb Shimon that comes in that sequence is Reb Shimon ben Asana, who was mentioned before as the students of Reb Yerushalayim. However, since everything in Torah is meduyak, is exact, especially that the teachings of Reb Shimon ben Asana are in a separate Mishnah, many, couple of Mishnahs away from where he is identified with his father's name, so therefore, there is room to make a mistake, and the, the, still the Mishnah should have put, um, should have put the name, right? If somebody is just learning this Mishnah, he will just think Reb Shimon is Reb Shimon So we understand that we can look at the Tam Pnimi. Um, we can say as Mitzadem Tam Pnimi in the Hiroz Reb Shimon that the inner reason for what Reb Shimon Asano said, because if it being we need to know not who his father was. We need to know that he's Reb Shimon, and he's the same as Reb Shimon Yechai. So Stam Reb Shimon is Reb Shimon Yechai. Here it's talking not Reb Shimon Yechai, but his here the the point of what he's saying is because he is totally identical with Rabbi Shimon Yechai. So it seems it's got something to do with the word with the name Shimon, right? Hey, says the Rebbe. Explanation is the. Pnimi, the Tam Pnimi, the inner reason that Stam Rib Shimon is Rib Shimon when you just generally say Rib Shimon is Rib Shimon is because the name Shimon is from the expression Shmir, to hear. The true meaning of hearing is not just hearing, but it's full understanding, Havana Vasaga. And that, and the Indian of being your Torah, full occupation, is what the Yid, what does it mean when a Torah is your full occupation? It's the Yid is one thing with the Torah, that's his whole trade. Right? Umenos means a trade. You know, you see somebody. Chreis uh, is a tailor. Everything he does is about his trade. When he looks at people, he sees how you know how the cloth looks, how the thing looks. Everything's about trade. So then, when the tailor is a person's trade, it means his whole identity, his whole entity, his whole his whole modality is only tailor. When does that come? That comes when tailor is fully understood by him. When the tailor is fully understood in a complete way by him, so he becomes totally united with the tailor. As the Tanya says, it becomes a yichud nifla, an amazing. A wondrous unity that there's no other unity like this in the world to become totally one from every side, from every angle with what he's learning with Torah. So the, the word Shimon itself means full com- comprehension of Torah. So we can understand that all those that have the names, 
especially when we talk about the names of, of Yidin, especially talk the names of the rabbis of the Mishnah Tanoim, that tells you the, the identity and the, and the content of who they are and what their Aved is, what their service of Hashem is. So we understand that anybody whose name is Shimon, so at least, Behelem, at least in a concealed way, there's something similar of the stam of the generic Reb Shimon, which is Reb Shimon Yechai, whose title, the title was his full occupation. And that's why the Mishnah doesn't hit, take, identify here Reb Shimon as Reb Shimon Asano. It's not to save words. Because the fact that Reb Shimon Asano was saying these teachings is because of his relationship with Reb Shimon Stam, with Reb Shimon Yechai, Tehilosim Nasser. Reb Shimon Asano was also at that level. Now we're going to explain um, the concept of Tehilosim Nasser in a deeper light. Says Vov, says the Rebbe, the, 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 the classification of somebody who the Torah is his full occupation, simply speaking, is that A, Aleph, it's a, it's a time thing. He's learning Torah without any interruption. Doesn't stop for anything. As the Shulchan Aruch says, that uh, somebody who's fully occupied in learning Torah, doesn't stop even for davening. Why? Because what's davening? Davening is asking for things you need in this world. Hashem should give me my parnosa, Hashem should make the, the, heal the sick, and so on. What's Torah? Torah is connecting to Hashem, the eternity of Hashem. You're going to give up connecting to eternity, chaye oilam, eternal life, and start speaking about chaye shah, temporary life. However, that's only for those that don't interrupt whatsoever. The only, the only thing they interrupt for is to keep their body alive. If their body's not alive, they, can't. they don't interrupt for anything else. We who do interrupt for other things, anybody who interrupts for other things of, of temporary life, so, uh, sir, you do interrupt, make sure to go ahead and daven. So first of all, Tadal Semenos means somebody whose whole entity, whole time, simply time-wise, doesn't do anything that's not related to simply keeping himself alive, doesn't do anything but Tadal. Based on something else. And that is also, this can also be by learning the revealed aspect of the Torah. Because he's, he's constantly and fully involved in learning the Nigla the Torah, all the revealed aspect of the Torah, like Rishim and Yechai himself, who in the cave, mainly was learning Mishnayis, which is the revealed aspects of Torah, the halachic aspects of Torah. And he wasn't learning the Zoyar and Tikkunim most of the time, as the, as the, uh, as the Al-Tarebbe points out, footnoted here by the Rebbe. However, the Zaya says that there's a deeper level of to be fully called the Torah is your occupation, it really means somebody who the Shekhinah doesn't move from him all his days. And that they become a a dwelling place for the Shekhinah of Hashem. So from this we understand that first of all, it's not just a, a, a quantity time, it's a qualitative thing. It's the Eichus Diketsugebundenkeit. It's the qualitative connectivity to Torah. That his whole entity is permeated with Torah. And everything, his whole being is only that he's a dwelling place for the Shekhinah. Two, there's another criteria. This connection with Hashem is not just to the wisdom of the Torah. This, this connection with Torah is not to the wisdom of the Torah. Mainly it's to the one who gave the Torah. The Neisena Torah. The Shekhinah. And such a learning where a person is fully cognizant most, and, and bound up with the giver of the Torah, that is mostly associated with with the inner parts of the Torah. As it says explicitly in Tikkun Ezeyar, that um, the, only the ones, the Mori Kabbalah, the ones who are uh, involved in the esoteric, in the uh, uh, inner aspects of Torah, they make, create for Hashem um, a, a, a full dwelling place within themselves. And so this is also the basis of what it says in Chassidus, that the union of Torah, of Torah being your full application, is 
has to be in a way where the Torah, the Torah becomes in a way where Hashem puts his words in your mouth. In other words, the Torah that the person is now saying, it's being, it's coming out of his mouth in a way that he is such not an entity, he's so bound up with the giver of the Torah that as if Hashem is saying those words. It's like he's repeating the words that Hashem is saying, so to speak. This kind of a learning can only come from total bittle, total self-nullification to the one who gave the Torah and the one who's giving the Torah till and if and he becomes, in a way that he becomes a dwelling place for the Shekhinah. So from this we can understand that what Rashbi's level of being Torah, being his occupation, is connected with the fact that he's from the Mori Kabbalists, from those that are the masters of Kabbalah. And on the contrary, he was the one who taught Pnimi Sater, it was Mashpia Pnimi Sater, inner aspects of the Torah to all the other Tanoim. And that's why he was at the highest level of Tehrasim and Osei. Within Tehra being occupation, he reached the highest qualitative level of Tehrasim and Osei. So we said there's a difference between him and his Chaveirim. We can now understand why is it that Rabbi Shimon Yechoi was unique in the fact that he didn't interrupt for Kriyashma, well, as his Chaveirim, who also Tehrasim and Osei, they also had Tehra, their occupation, they didn't interrupt. Science says that, but now we'll understand. In order that Teiras should be in a way that Osim that it's like Hashem's word in your mouth, first you have to have a total bittle, total self nullification to godliness. And that becomes, usually, how does that become? Through the Aved of Kriyashma. The Aved of Kriyashma, the service of Hashem that happens with Shema is Mesir Snefesh. You say, you have to love Hashem with all your heart, with all your might, with all your soul. You have to love Him to the point of self sacrifice. So, what can bring you to being totally bound up with Hashem in a way that the Torah is your full occupation, you need the power of Shema to bring you there, to propel you there. So even those that are Torah, they have to interrupt for that because that is what fuels the Torah being qualitatively their full occupation. However, Rav especially after he comes out of the cave, he was constantly in that level of total self-nullification to godliness. As he said about himself, Anosim on Alma. The Zohar says, he says about himself, I'm just a, a signpost, so to speak, for Hashem. I'm, I'm not an entity. I'm just something, a rod through which Hashem projects. I'm, saying, I'm not a Metzius. The whole Metzius is just to be a simon, to be a signpost, to be a, 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 a conductor for godliness. So he was a true dira, true dwelling place for the Shekhinah in a complete way. And that's why it says, the Zohar says, Man pnei ha'odin avaya. When it says, if to go see the face of Hashem, the master Hashem, who is the reflection? Who is referred to when we say Ha'odin Avaya, the Master Hashem? This is Rav Shimon Yechoi. Rav Shimon Yechoi is so selfless, so transparent, that what expresses himself through him is not him, it's Hashem. And that's why he didn't have to have the introduction of Shema, that his learning of Torah should be in a way of Torah that his Torah becomes his full occupation. Um, Ches. Paragraph 8. The Gemara says that Rabbi Loza ben Aloch gave permission, asked permission, sorry, by his teacher, by Rabbi Yechem ben Zakkai, to, to say over, to repeat something to him, something that you taught me. I want to say to my teacher something that you had taught me. In which topic? Maisa Merkava. Maisa Merkava is the topic of the, the chariot of Hashem, which is described in the Prophet Yecheskel, Prophet Yeshaya. So it's a description of, uh, of supernal things. And then after, then the Gemara says that after the Balazah ben Aloch opened and expounded, a fire came down from heaven. And the Gemara continues, when Rabbi Yossi Akoyin and Rabbi Shimon ben Asanel heard this, 
By the way, if you look in the Bible, you'll see it says Rabbi Yeshua. In Yerushalmi, it says Rabbi Shimon Asanel for this story. So when they heard that Rabbi Loza ben Arach had said over Torah to Rabbi Shimon, it was a fantastic experience. And the heavens are, you know, the fire came down from heaven. So they also said, we're also going to say something from the supernal talk, Maisei HaMerkava, from the chariot of Hashem. And so then the Gemara just speaks. It tells us that it was one day in the um, time of uh, the, the season of Tammuz, and they were saying words of Maisei Merkava, Kabbalistic words, Kabbalistic titles, and the earth trembled, and you saw a rainbow in the cloud. And then a heavenly voice came out, and, and whatever, you know, in other words, it made a, a, an impact in heaven. So what do we see from this? Rabbi Shimon and Asanel was from those who were masters of Kabbalah. And he was away in a way where the speaking of Maisei Merkava, the speaking of the supernal secrets of the chariot of Hashem, created that the earth trembled, it had an effect on earth, <coughs> and then a heavenly voice came out and said, and proclaimed something. In other words, what, is it, what does it tell us? That the heavenly voice said, projected downwards, the earth trembled. In other words, he drew down the Shekhinah Lamata. So that, what is a dira l'shekhinah, a dwelling place for the Shekhinah? Exactly, this fits the bill of a dwelling place for the Shekhinah. So we see that the Shemin Asana was also, like the Shemin Yechai, a dwelling place for Hashem Shekhinah down below, the highest level of Torah being his occupation. Between these two aforementioned Tanoim, Reb Shemin, well, there were two, but the Rebbe is going to point out there's an advantage over Reb Shemin Asana over Reb Yechai. Why are we saying that Dafka Reb Shemin Asana was like Reb Shemin Yechai, and that's why he's called Shimon. He's higher than Rabbi Yisachar although they're both mentioned in tandem as having talked to Maisa Merkava and having this effect on earth with the trembling and so on. Let's see why. Rabbi Elizabeth Aroch also told over Maisa Merkava and had an effect on earth. So why are we pointing at Rabbi Shimon as being the highlight here? And therefore correlating him to Rabbi Shimon Stam, Rabbi Shimon Yechoi, and he's at that level of Terasi Umnasik. He wouldn't have even interrupted for Shema. So let's analyze these three Tanoim. Rabbi Elizabeth Aroch, he said something that Rabbi Yechim taught him. It's not something that he expounded by himself. Okay, so now we're left. So he's not at the high level of being fully masters of Kabbalah. He said something that was told to him by his teacher, repeated it to his teacher. Now we have Rabbi Yisrael and Rabbi Let's look at, analyze them, them two, those two great luminaries. They both expounded of their own in the teachings of the supernal works of the Merkava, the chariot of Hashem, in a way that Poschu, it says that they opened up and darshan. In other words, this is something that they innovated Especially, we know that the word posach, it says they open. We know that in the Zerah, it says posach, Rabbi Shimon, it means that, they, that Rabbi Shimon opened up a new channel of, 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 of teaching from Hashem. But still in all, even though they're both involved in this poschu, they both opened up and expounded on Kabbalah, there's an advantage of Rabbi Shimon, the son of Rabbi Yisrael, why? Rabbi Yisrael is a koyen. Koyen is, by definition, somebody who's prepared to stand and serve before Hashem. Rabbi Yisrael is he inherits that. It's already, so to speak, in his spiritual genetics that he's prepared to serve Hashem. Therefore, the Pasach of Maisa is not totally his own thing. He's already at an advanced level by birth. And so therefore, when he opens up and expounds on Maisa Merkava and Kabbalah, it's not the greatest, doesn't show the greatest, um, the greatest uh, spiritual heights about him particularly, because where do we see an even greater Uftu? Ah, the, the complete... The, the more wholesome indication that a person is a dira l'shechina, a dwelling place for Hashem, is when the whole metzias of the person is one with the shechina. And that's when 
when the, and, and, and where do we see that? When he starts to say that the, 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 the Kabbalah and the world, you know, as he affects the world, the world trembles. The most su- superior uh, way of doing that is when we see somebody does a Bekoyach of his own power, his own initiative. Not inheriting powers from above. And this we find by Rabbi Shimon Asano. He's not called a Kayin. He wasn't a Kayin. It's interesting that according to some he was. Uh, interesting. The Rebbe does in footnote 65, explains that uh, Pashtus he wasn't. And you see, Rabbi Yisiyah Kayin is called Kayin, not Rabbi Shimon Asano. Uh, there's a long, there's a big to do here in the Ha'aris. Be- beautiful. Uh, um, right. But anyway, I'm not going to go into it. So, Reb Shimon Asano is not a Kayan, or at least he's not called a Kayan, that's not his the, the point here. And he's not a Kayan, and he's opening up and speaking, he's expounding on the Kabbalah, so he shows his great strength, and this has an effect on earth, this shows he's truly a master of Kabbalah. So this test, chapter, paragraph 9. So this advantage of Reb Shimon Asano, that he was able to expound in the story of the, in the Maisa Merkava, the story of the chariot of Hashem. And that is even greater, the Rebbe Lazim is also emphasizing the fact that Dafka, when he opened up and spoke, the earth trembled, and then there was another detail, the Gemara says. The Keshes, the rainbow, was seen in the cloud, which just was a miracle. Because in the time of Tammuz, Tammuz is summer. You don't usually have clouds. So all of a sudden, a cloud appeared, and there was a rainbow in the cloud. One second. Well, we don't like rainbows so much. One second, one second. This requires explanation. This requires explanation. Curious. And the Rebbe says, look also, the, 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 the Marsha, the Chidusha Agodis, also comments on this. Um, the Gemara says that the greatness of Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, elsewhere the Gemara says, this is the Gemara in Ksubis, the greatness of Rabbi Levi is that in his days, you never saw a rainbow. Because what's a rainbow? A rainbow is a sign that Hashem is showing that he's not going to destroy his world. And if there's a full tzaddik, a tzaddik government of the world, then Hashem never even considered destroying the world. So you don't need a sign. So what are we saying now? An advantage of Shimon and Rabbi Yisakim was so great and they said, and then there was a rainbow. That seems to be something of, uh, of a denigration that they weren't worthy enough to protect their generation, so, so to speak. No, the says, no, no, no. There's two aspects of rainbow. This first one is that Takashem puts it, as it says in the Torah, Hashem puts it that there shouldn't be another, there shouldn't be a marble. There shouldn't be a flood. Then there's another aspect of, of Keshes of rainbow. What's the other aspect? About Keshes, it says in the Medrash that it's it's something that's compared to me. It's compared to Hashem. And that's why the din is you're not allowed to look, you're not allowed to gaze at a rainbow. Because that shows you're not treating your, uh, the, the respect of your master. In other words, you're looking at something too openly. It's a revelation of Hashem. You're not supposed to just look at it, gaze at it. Who are you to, be able, you know, to gaze at your master in such a way? And mainly, it says, we want to know something else about Keshes. So we just brought a Medrash that compared to Hashem. But it's explicit in the story of the Merkava. Right? So if you look, it's not a Medrash, it's in Yecheskel itself. 
It says, Kemari, that Hashem appeared, Kemare HaKeshes, Asher Yebonam, like the vision of a rainbow that is in the cloud. Kein Mare, that's the way the vision of Hashem is. Who married Muskel Hashem? That's the vision of the, of the form, so to speak, of the glory of Hashem. So from that we understand, if in the story of the Merkava, the, 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 the rainbow is appearing, that's an explicit explanation to us that this represents a high revelation of the Shekhinah which is, expresses itself as a rainbow in a cloud. So the first Indian of, of rainbow, where it's a sign, is only when it comes on a, on a cloudy day. You know what a cloudy day means? A cloud, when the, the sun is chesed, when there's cloud, and the cloudiness shows that there's some form of hindering of the chesed. Dinim koshim, like the Rebbe brings from, uh, from the, uh, the brings from, from the Gemara. It's a sign that there's some kinds of Stringency, Hashem is, 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 so to speak, a little bit angry, or, or I should say angry about Hashem. Hashem is going to deal uh, uh, um, with dinim, with, with strictness. So then when you have the, <coughs> the rainbow, it says, oh, okay. Hashem says, no, even though I'm going to be strict now with my world, but I have a sign in the world, I'm never going to do what I did in the Mabel. That's the rainbow. That's the first one. However, these, these clouds that, and, and, and the subsequent rainbow that comes in the clouds, that come through the expounding on the Maisa Merkava, that's not an expression of negating the strictness of Hashem. This is just the other aspect of, of, of rainbow, bringing out the great, it represents a great revelation of godliness. So now we can understand even more. Shimon and Hassanel, whose Torah is his full occupation, he makes a dira, he makes a dwelling place for Hashem, and that's why it expresses itself even in the great revelation that can be seen from earth. The earth trembles, the basco, the, the, the heavenly voice comes out and is projected downwards. And you see even on earth a rainbow. He's a full dwelling place for Hashem. And therefore he's fully his occupation, the same level of Shmin Yechai. And therefore he doesn't even interrupt for Shema according to that. Yud. One of the things, now we still have to explain, right, about uh, not, being, not being a Rasha. We, didn't. we said we're going to leave that to chapter 10, paragraph 10. And we're here at Sif Yud. One of the things that it says about the great uh, level of Hashem is the fact that he said, I'm able to, I'm able to alleviate the whole world from stringent judgment being done by them by Hashem. Since the greatness of Hashem was what? Well, he was, it was his occupation. So we understand that the fact that he could have alleviated the whole world, he can alleviate and, and patter the whole world from strict judgment of Hashem has to do with this aspect of Tadosim Nasi. That's the defining aspect of Rav Shemin Yechai. So we've spoken before, so Melo, that will apply to Rav Shemin as well. We've spoken at great length that when Rav Shemin Yechai says, I'm able to alleviate, to patter the whole world. To, 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 to um, patter. Yeah, alleviate the world from, from, from judgment. It's not through the fact that he can convince his whole generation to do tshuva. He's so charismatic and powerful and holy that he can get them all to do tshuva. No, that would mean that they're changing. Here the point is that his schus, his merit is so great that even though they haven't changed, the generation didn't change, he's able to tolerate, so to speak. He's able to bear all their sins and alleviate them and get them off the hook from strict judgment. So since Rabbi Shimon Asana was the same, like Rabbi Shimon Yechoi, he was also, by definition, so he could also do that same thing. He could be, he could, he could alleviate the whole world from, from strict judgment. So for this we'll understand the connection between the third teaching in the Mishnah. What's the, uh, um, 
What's the third teaching of the Mishnah? By the way, the Rebbe said, it's not that he could have caused his whole generation to do tshuva. That's not pshat. And then the Rebbe says in Ara 81, then that would be a great, amazing wonder, big question. He should have done it. If he couldn't do it, make everybody do tshuva. Why didn't he do it? Which is saying, Rebbe Yechai, his greatness was what the Gemara is saying. He said about himself, I mean, his greatness is so great, he can tolerate and bear upon himself all the iniquity of the generation and is still his sitka so great that they don't have to so they don't have to be judged. Which I was saying that if he could have changed the entire generation, of course he would have. That's an interesting thing to think about. Anyway, so from the fact that Shimon Asanel was just like Shimon Yechai's Torah was his full occupation, as we see the first two teachings that he taught in this Mishnah, right? Got to be careful with Shema and Tefillah. Don't learn from you. I'm not interrupting from Shema, but you have to be, to be careful with Shema. And he's telling his, his, his friends, you even if you don't interrupt for Tefillah, but do it. When you do daven from time to time, periodically do it with, 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 with arousing Hashem's compassion. So if he's at that level of Tehra Simnasi where he can alleviate and tolerate and, and bear all the sins of the generations. So now he says, don't be a Russia in your eyes. In other words, Generally speaking, somebody who holds himself for a wicked person, and that's why he doesn't even look to do tshuva. He's like, ah, I'm a bad guy anyway. So then, what happens to such a person? So then, Hashem brings on that person suffering, as the Gemara says, "Aniyusa poverty and affliction is good for the yidden." As the Gemara in Chagiga, what does that mean? It means to say when a yid gets, when yid gets, uh, not everything good happening to him. It subjugates him, it subdues him, it makes him open up his heart for Teshuvah. So, usually, somebody who would be at the level where he's past trying to rectify himself, ah, bad guy anyway, so he will be eligible for Hashem bringing upon him things that will make him subdued, bring him suffering, that will make him subdued and turn his life around. That's the only intent. However, the day of Hashem and Hashem, because he was such a great tzaddik that his generation would be protected from suffering, regardless of even if they're sinful. So we have to therefore tell them, don't be a rasha in your eyes. In other words, do tshuva. We can't have you being looking at yourself as a rasha and therefore just, just, uh, just uh, you know, de- de- degenerating into bad behavior. Because Hashem, uh, Rabbi Shimon Asana says, you're not going to suffer. Hashem is not going to bring you back through suffering. Because... Rabbi Shimon Asano's level is so great that you're not going to suffer. But we need you to come back. So don't look at yourself as a Russia. Hello. And recognize. Why shouldn't you look at yourself as a Russia? The person says, I am a Russia. I'm far gone. No. He's giving, he's giving, uh, uh, he's giving, um, how do you say, uh, uh, not confidence, he's giving idut. Uh, he's being ma'idut. He's being, he's um, energizing and, and encouragement. To those who look at themselves in Russia, he says, I need you to know that you can always come back. Every yid can always come back. And he's not going to have Yisunim. He can do tshuva, right? Because he's not going to have suffering because of Shimon Asano protects him. So come back and every yid can, is able, Alti Rasha, don't be a Russia. Come back and every yid can come back from Archava, from a place of expansiveness. Everything's good and he comes back to Hashem and from living a life of menucha, of peace and shalva and tranquility. And nonetheless, he comes back to Hashem. Amen.